Hey, everybody. I don't know how to start it off. What are your thoughts about the intro? All right. Well, I wrote down a list of points. Boundaries for our podcast. We curse a lot. Fucking obviously. We tell stories and jokes. We are allowing ourselves a space to talk about important and challenging subjects. <laughs> if any of these things are not okay with you, please don't listen to this podcast. But I, I think we should keep talking about this for for a minute and make that the intro. Just kind of take some of each of our statements and and make that the intro. And also I'll use the fart noises. Welcome to How I Met My Brother. Okay. 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 Okay, now tell me again what you were just saying. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the seventh episode of How I Met My Brother. Right, but about the tea bags. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first section is back check, back check, back check. Um, so back in episode six um we had a very episode six the prostate which is in the balls <laughs> it isn't still hasn't been proven you know scientifically up in the air so whether or not the prostate is in the balls remains you know min- yeah remains to be that's for science to figure out uh anyway bagging it is a fact was there a question about about whether or not it was a whether it was a fact there's a thing so everyone i don't like i don't for certain know that anybody has ever actually done it but like um i know that that like that that's the phrase the phrase for it it's one of those like there's Unless it happens to you, nobody will ever truly know whether or not teabagging has ever actually occurred. Well, that's very Buddhist. It's, um, yeah, it's... If the nut crack hits you in the face and you're sleeping, did it actually happen? So I I found out about another internet thing this week, um... Because one of the weird things about the internet that you've missed by being off grid for so long, <laughs> my sweet sister, is that um, meme culture is a fucking, it's a bizarre thing. And um, there will get like these little, these, these little ecosystems within the internet will develop. Um, and the the good part is, and at, at their best, they're just spreading very stupid jokes, just very dumb inside jokes. And at their worst, they're doing things like, um, you know, causing the resurgence of Nazism. Um, but, but in the, in their, you know, most kind of pure hearted form, uh, these like inside, uh, insular little, um, kind of these little, uh, bubbles create. Um, and I found one of them on TikTok uh, recently, um, because a guy posted a video of himself doing, um, squats and he's like, uh, he says, my, my squat plug fell out during this, during my last rep. 
And I'm like, what in the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so then I went down a, a rabbit hole and found out that there is what I, I am fairly certain at this point is a joke, but it's one of those things like the internet has become such that like, if you try to Google it, you cannot tell whether or not it's a joke because the joke part, because part of the joke is pretending it's not a joke. So there are people who have posted on like Reddit sub forums and on like workout blogs and shit like that about how they put a butt plug up their butt while they are that while they are power lifting <laughs> and that's the whole joke um and it was just it's a really it was a very funny uh kind of moment because i was like i can't like either people are putting butt plugs up their butts to do power lifting <laughs> Or they are joking about it, but they are joking about it with such sincerity and such dedication <laughs> that you can't find out, like you, you, you cannot determine for certain which one is the case. And both of those scenarios are equally plausible in my mind. Like those both seem like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that was. So that, you had not heard of that prior. Uh, I had not. No. And what is it called again? Of, so uh, the audience a, can... a squat plug squat plug everybody yeah squat so i'm plug. pretty sure that squat plugs are not real one of the what? very first one of the very first things that happened when i posted a, a video on tiktok about it was like 20 people came into the comments and all just said it's a squat plug like all all made the exact same comment and i'm what? like okay this is just a dedicated group of dorks <laughs> who think that this is a funny joke and go around pretending that the it, like it's that it's funny to go around pretending like squat like like squat plugs or something that that people actually use. Somebody else p commented on the post that um that they're great and he has one for each of his uh, for all three of his holes. What of, of their holes because they didn't identify their gender. I was like, I don't that that what that. Oh my god. Anyway, so that's what So I you're learned. telling me that squat plugs aren't real and people aren't actually putting butt plugs in in themselves to squat? From what I can tell right from from where I am sitting right now, I don't think that people are actually putting butt plugs in there. Unless butts. you're currently sitting on a butt plug. I am not. I can verify <laughs> that verify i am not currently wearing a butt plug nor am i currently doing squats um, <laughs> and uh but yeah, i'm also so not I, doing squats audience none of neither of us are wearing butt plugs or doing squats <laughs> but if any of you want to do that for the rest of this episode feel free this is a shame-free environment yeah that, i feel like this is a good squat plug squat plug squat plugs you can do whatever exercise feels most right to you. Medically, I want to feel like we need a disclaimer here that we are not <laughs> condoning or advocating doing any sort of exercise <laughs> that could potentially damn. Consult your physician before putting a before squat plugs while listening to this podcast a, a butt plug into your butt while doing while doing squats um, so back to okay, teabagging no, everybody yeah, no what i wanted you to repeat was what you said before we started okay this is great we're learning so much people god together we can do this um <laughs> okay because here's the deal people teabagging plural is teabaggings 
is the okay. act of a man inserting his scrotum in another person's mouth in a similar motion as when a tea bag is juiced into a mug. Okay, I'm going to And take... the female version of tea bagging everybody. <laughs> we're going to have to just keep diving deeper and deeper. Uh is called a flappuccino. <laughs> a flappuccino. I, I I I kind of I feel like that is um that's a little uh insulting to um it's an, a flap flap is never it's not a, a a vaginal descriptor that I think is particularly complimentary. We might want to th- <laughs> I don't know why flap just doesn't it it doesn't sound like you're being nice when you call it a flappuccino. <laughs> Um, you gotta admit those lips flap around though. I mean a bit, but here, like part of this is part of it is maybe I'm like a little bit more sensitive about it because, um, (laughs) nobody disagrees that balls are profoundly ugly. Um, they're probably one of the least attractive, uh, parts of human anatomy, but also like men who or people who, possess balls are not sensitive about the appearance of the balls. Nobody is trying to feel like their (laughs) balls are attractive. That's unfortunate. Maybe people have ball shame. Does anybody here? No, no, that's the thing. We don't like there. We don't have ball shame. We are all like, these things look absurd. Um, They, um, they they look like before before they t- before the the testicles descend the scrotum looks like a little walnut um and then when when the balls come down um they it looks like um it i mean like the the oh should i have a every... question Leo? i have a question what's the difference between a testicle and, and a scrotum and a scrotum uh, the, the, the scrotum is the ball sack. Uh, the testicles are inside of the scrotum. And then as we have already discussed, the prostate is inside. No, of- it's not. <laughs> I just read this other thing that says teabagging is referred to as corpse humping. Teabagging uh, to their community is often utilized as a victory dance to insult and aggravate the victim. Hmm. Audience, I think there's a lot more about teabagging that we're going to have to just really dive into. Well, and I also I want to take issue with um, with part of that uh, definition of teabagging because it specifically says that teabagging is when you put your balls in somebody else's mouth. Yeah. Um, and what if you just it, hit them in the face with your ball? <laughs> yeah, no, if you no. So the other version of teabagging is if somebody is, and this is just particularly like, uh, used during, uh, like sleepovers and stuff like that. Um, but it's when you just put your balls on somebody's forehead, that's also teabagging. Thank you for clarifying, Leal. And like, I, you just I get, place them gently on the forehead, almost yeah. like a shamanic. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's like, um, it's yeah, it's very much like, um, like if you were putting a healing crystal, <laughs> except is it is a scrotum. 
full of balls. <laughs> tiny little balls. Just I tiny want, little balls. I want Maybe to that's why our society is so obsessed with balls. Every uh, fucking game you can think of with balls, 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 balls. I mean, and there are, it's also just a convenient shape for having something <laughs> that you need to make travel a distance. Like it can you like if we if we tried playing soccer with a cube, that would be a shitty game. Or an icosahedron, that'd be rough too. Yeah, yeah. Football with a yeah, playing football with a pyramid. That's somebody's gonna lose an eye. <laughs> That's how you get injuries. Good point. <laughs> um. Okay. So, all right. I'm glad we sorted out the proper right. definition of teabagging. We'll get we'll we'll keep researching Flappuccino's audience. Don't worry. Um, Next yeah, uh, I, episode, we'll have some more info about all of this very important I, stuff. I really want to title this episode "A Scrotum Full of Balls," but I feel like that's <laughs> too close to the last episode title. Um, so we're squat gonna plugs, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've got a couple of different things that. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the grasshoppers thing, which I can't remember why it came up. Because the was song, it... the song that you played on the end of the last oh, one is yeah. called Grasshoppers. Okay, um, because this is a, a funny um, anecdote and something that I bring up when um, people talk about uh, vegan wine. Um, so, vegan wine. Isn't yes. all wine vegan? Well... Thank you for asking. <laughs> so there are uh, two different things, and one is fairly apocryphal. I don't think anybody really uses it, uh, and the other one is still very commonly used. Okay, what does apocryphal um, mean? It means that, that it's old and um, may like uh, I I I would have to look up the def dictionary definition, but generally when I hear apocryphal, it means that it's. Um, that it's an old story may or may not be true may have like kind of changed over time or be based on something that was originally true. Um, and so um, there are two things that are used as, as, as finding agents in wine. One is uh, oxblood and the other was uh, one is Isinglass. Um, so fining go back to the, so what is so I'll go back to what we're doing with this. So, Fining is putting something into the wine that will attract heavier particulates in the wine and cause them to bind together into longer chains so they get heavier and fall out of solution and they settle at the bottom of the container. And it helps you get clearer wine. Um, and so um, oxblood, which, like I said, I really don't think anybody still does that. Uh, like chemically, scientifically, it would do that. And I think maybe people did it in the past, um, but I'm pretty sure nobody really does it anymore. Um, Isinglass is fish scales. What? Um, yeah. So, and, and so you, and again, it doesn't make your these, wine taste fishy. No. So the whole point of, of finding agents um, is that you're introducing, introducing something so that you can take that thing and some other things out. Um, so it's like, um, if you, uh, if you had uh, a party and you wanted a certain number of people to leave. And so you brought a bunch of their friends over so that they would all leave together. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, the all, one of, so the first thing I always point out is that if you want to find a wine and you don't want to use Isinglass, 
The uh, alternative is like this kind of nasty, like chemical component, like this chemical concoction that you can use. Um, and I don't, I don't know the names of the chemicals off the top of my head, but it, like if for, for me personally, if given the choice between something that is naturally occurring, something that's, you know, that that's just part of an animal versus some weird chemical solution, like I'm going to take the animal thing. Second of all, more importantly, the entire point of a finding agent is that it be removed. Um, so it's not like you're eating. So there's, so then, then it goes on to like, what are your re reasons for wanting to be vegetarian or vegan? Cause if your concern is that any animals were used at any point, if you're the, like, um, if you're the, the, the super like hardline vegan where you won't even eat honey because that exploits the bees and shit like that. Shut up, Siri. God damn it. Anyway, so yeah, if you're if if you're like a a really hardcore vegan to to where you won't even eat bees or eat honey or bees, uh, personally I won't eat bees, but <laughs> um, but so uh, if it's so if it's concerned about accidentally consuming an animal product, that should not be a concern at all, um, because the the point of a finding agent is that it be removed. If if it's a concern about um, animal uh, thing like animal animals being exploited or being killed or whatever. Um, that is slightly more valid when you look specifically at the finding agent thing. But the second part, and this is where the grasshoppers come into it, is that um, especially for any wines that are harvested by machine, but pretty much any wines that, ha that have at any point any like open top fermentation process um, or their tanks are outside or anything like that, bugs are getting in there. There's no two ways about it. So, um, if they're harvested by a machine, I've never seen this happen, but I could very easily see like a bird even getting trapped in the thing. Cause a, a, like a, a grape harvesting machine looks like a monster truck. Um, what? so it's, it's like this, wow. uh, it, it's this giant thing where mm. the cab sits above the vines and the machine drives over it. And then it has like buckets that spin and, uh, and then move all the grapes up to like a hopper that's behind the, um, behind the driver so it has like a cab on top and then like a like a hopper behind it and then underneath there's basically two legs with wheels and those two legs between like between those two legs is where the vines or the the row is going to go so it's going to drive over the row and and pick the grapes so that what that means is and, and like a lot like the overwhelming majority by volume of grapes that are harvested in especially in the new world in the united states um or, and, and, but pretty much anywhere that's flat enough that it's practical to harvest by machine, people are harvesting by machine because it's way the fuck faster and cheaper than harvesting by, by hand. Um, so if you're harvesting by, by machine guaranteed, whatever insects live in your vines and that can be grasshoppers, snails, um, all kinds of different things. Like those guys are getting caught up in there and they're going into your fermenter. Um, and then, like I said, like if you're using an open top fermenter or if, which most wineries have at least some portion of their, their receiving is outside. Like during, if you ever go to a winery during harvest, it, it looks like fucking chaos because, uh, you're just the, especially like a, as things are coming in, because you're on a timetable, you've got to get shit started or uh, like, it's not even that you have to get it started. Shit just starts. Like you put a bunch of grapes in a big bin and they're going to start fermenting. So you need to just do what you can to control it and get it into the containers that you want to get it into. And you'll have places that have uh, like, 
Um, the initial fermentation process in, in, involves a lot more volume of fruit because once it goes into the press, you eliminate a lot of the physical volume that just goes to like mulch or whatever, um, or goes to distillation depending on whatever. Um, but so you'll have a bunch of big, a, a bunch of containers, like especially like small wineries, they have these big picking bins, um, these half ton bins that are just like stacked across the floor. Um, and so they, and they're going through and like, they're, they're punching them down and they're working the, you know, working the fruit and everything. And And then eventually there's insects in the fruit. Like they can get in there pretty fucking easily. Um, like as, but you know, anything that flies and if it's outside of the winery, fucking anything can get in there. Like you'll use tarps, you'll use stuff in that, like, and, and it's all fine. Like it's going, it's not like it's unsanitary or gross or anything. Like it's a natural fucking part of food production that some gross shit happens here and there. Um, right. it's like your, your fucking vegetables are covered in cow shit. It's fine. You just wash them up. Like it's, you know, it's not a, not a big deal, but I bring it up because like one, if you're concerned about bugs being in your wine, like there's bugs, there's just are, there's just bugs in your wine. Wow, everybody, there's like, bugs in your wine. Aren't you learning so much in today's but, podcast? Like that's what the finding infiltration part, <laughs> part, part of the process is for, uh, is because to it clarifies it. Out. It makes it prettier. Uh, And it also, but yeah, like all that stuff settles out because you're talking like it's a months long process. I Um, have a question. Have grasshoppers uh been used like the ox blood? No, I don't. I am not aware of, uh, of anybody using um, any, any insect matter for uh, as a, as a finding agent. I don't know how well that would work. Okay. You're just saying the grasshoppers get in there and they're in your wine. Yeah. Yeah, there's there there's there's bugs in that that get in there. Um, is that so, the what does what's a French grasshopper, which actually is a cricket? A sauterelle. Which is also the name. A gra- grasshopper is also the name for uh, a for the uh, um, conveyor belt uh, that is used to empty the fermenter. Sauterelle. Wow. Because you have to empty, like most fermenters, you have to empty them by hand. It's one of the most dangerous jobs in, in the winery, actually. Did I ever tell you I almost died in a in a uh, in a fermenter? I almost died. No, in a tell me about how. Yeah, how did you? No, the most die? dangerous thing in a winery or a brewery, any place that's that's making a lot of alcohol, is carbon dioxide. Oh. Now right? is that similar to methane? Uh, no, because methane rises. Ooh. And methane is flammable, and carbon dioxide is not flammable. Because I've I've been to a bunch of permaculture uh, eco village places where methane yes. is used from fermented cow shit, and the methane is used then like in the kitchen. Carbon yes. monoxide or carbon dioxide, no. Yes. Not so methane. Got it. Um, is a um, is a byproduct of um, decomposition. Um, not so we, we would refer oh. to that as, uh, like the, 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 you may refer, refer to like the mulching of cow shit as, uh, fermentation, but as far as I know, it's, it's oh. technically decomposition and, it, and methane is, uh, lighter than air. So it rises, which is also why it's a major ge- greenhouse gas. Um, and it is flammable, which is why it's useful for that. The only like similarity between the two of them is that human beings, beings cannot breathe either of them. So, so they can both suffocate humans, but 
carbon dioxide is extra dangerous because if you're in a space that has air and carbon dioxide, the carbon dioxide goes down. And so if you are at the lower level, the carbon dioxide comes down to you. So um, the winery that I was at had one of the fermenters that was set below the floor. Um, So you had to walk down a set of stairs to get to the clean out to open it up. And uh, I was the only one at the winery. I wasn't supposed to be doing this by myself, but I had finished up what I was supposed to be doing. And then I was like, uh, and so I, I knew that this needed to be done. So I went and started doing it. Um, and I took the, so the, um, the door is a, um, maybe like a meter square, uh, hole in a cement fermenter that has, uh, bolts on it on one side and then a hinge on it on the other side. Uh, and I thought that the fermenter was already pretty much empty, just had like sludge in the bottom. Um, so what we would do is we put a hose in a bucket underneath it, turn a pump on and then start spraying out the inside of the thing to get all the sludge cleaned out because at the bottom of a fermenter, when it's done fermenting, um, is at that point, all of the actual physical grape matter, um, has already been gotten rid of cause it already went through a press. So what's left at the bottom is, um, like tannic compounds that have formed long enough chains to fall out of solution and a whole shitload of dead yeast. Oh. Um, so, and it's this very kind of, uh, thick mucky, um, stuff I have, I hang on. I'll see if I can, if you can see this good because I have a jug of wine that I'm making right over here. I didn't know you made your own wine. This is my first time trying it with um, with juice from home. You can't really see the bottom. What I kind just... of? What kind of? Is it grape juice? Uh, Tempranillo. What the heck is that? Uh, Tempranillo is a Spanish grape. Woo! Are you excited? Tempranillo is the grape in Rioja. Um, I'm optimistic because I think it's going to work. Um, this is my first. So I've had uh, these Tempranillo vines in my backyard for um, like eight years or something. And I have not made wine out of them yet. Um, this is my first, my first attempt. Um, but uh, did you already also... say how you almost died? No, I didn't get to it. Okay, okay. so where was I? I'm gonna stop interrupting. Um, Let you finish. Okay. I have so many questions. Um, so the <laughs> bottom of this, the so the bottom of the fermenter is just full of this like dead yeast muck that we have to to clean out. Um, so what I was expecting to have happen was I would open the door. And just a little bit of it would trickle out and then I would start cleaning it up. And what actually happened is I opened the door and a shitload of it started pouring out. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is way more than I was expecting to deal with. And so I'm like, I'm I'm rushing to to reclose the door so it's not pouring out all over the floor. And as I'm in the middle of that (gasps) process of trying to reclose it, I realize that I'm not getting oxygen. Oh, my Um, God. Because along with all that muck, the entire space that I was in had filled up with carbon dioxide that uh, enough of it that it it had pushed the oxygen up uh, above the level. So I'm like that I'm like starting to see stars popping in my eyes, realizing what's going on and that nobody else is around. Um, and that Whoa. I could, like very definitely suffocate down here. If, um, so I got the bolts on enough to like slow the, uh, the, the gunk to a trickle and then like climbed up on a couple of barrels to get my head above the floor level. Uh, so I could get, so I could get air. But yeah, that's how I, that's how I almost, uh, died at a winery. Wow. Uh, I have a story of how I almost died in a bus accident. Okay. Go, go, go. I was in the, I was in South America and I was training someone how to drive our bus 
uh, through Peru. And as we're driving through Peru, I was like the main bus driver. Uh, our bus just kept having brake problems and we would stop, go to all these mechanics to fix the brakes and they'd be like, oh yeah, 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 it's fixed, it's fixed, you're all good. Oh, we're, we're going to add these air brakes, it's all good, everything's all good. But it wasn't all good. <laughs> mechanics didn't do that great of a job. And so, but we didn't know that. So we got to this place not far outside of Cusco, Peru, and my friend was driving. And I fell asleep in the back of the bus. And then all of a sudden I wake up and everyone is screaming my name and I'm running to the front of the bus and it's all slow motion and whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm running to the front of the bus. Heidi. And then I get to the front of the bus and I say, estoy aquí, which means I'm here. And I see that we'd lost brakes. He had put the bus in neutral. He had taken the bus out of gear in his like fear and panic. We lost air brakes, no brake power, and we're careening down this huge downhill curvy road, and we're about to hit into a semi right in front of us. And all this information is coming at me like, oh, shit. And he's trying to get around the semi. Luckily, he didn't get around it. We slammed into the semi. The semi hits a wall, and we flipped. Diesel fuel is just all over the place. There was 10 adults and one baby in the bus and i was like i'm dead this is it i'm a goner and then i woke up and all of us survived and we all got pulled out of the bus we barely had any scratches on us and uh that was the end of that bus <laughs> that bus was never driven again i feel like <laughs> that is exactly every scene that takes place in the mountain roads of South America from every movie from like the 1970s through the 1990s. Like that's true. And I think everybody who has been all to... the mountain roads are like that there. Yeah, and no, and so many people crash and die. It's yeah. It's intense. That's uh that's some shit. But we made um, it Leo. We're still here. Everyone. That's 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 the important part. The fermenter um, didn't kill you. I think that was all that I I mean that was definitely all that I wanted to say about um fact grasshoppers. Check. All right, um, I have one more little fact check everybody. We're like it's a correction. And it's from episode 6. Uh I I I would like to take accountability. I said that Chile is racist against Bolivia and Peru. I'd like to take that back and say, um, in my experience when I lived there, I saw a lot of Chileans who were racist against some Bolivians and Peruvians, but I don't think that that insinuates that it's the whole country. So I apologize for that. I I, I think that's uh, I mean that's that's fair to correct yourself on. I do, and I don't. I don't consider myself a, uh, an authority on South American politics by by any means. But another thing that I um, I'm always like, um, it always I always feel like I'm in a weird position when you when you do see racism amongst like ethnic groups that where you don't know the entire dynamic. Yeah. 
Because yeah. like as white Americans, obviously right. we're raised to go, no, racism bad always. And and yeah, racism right. bad always. Um, but but also like when you're dealing with uh, groups for, that that have like long and complicated geopolitical struggles where it's not that one side has always been on top that, you know, that the, the um, right. that it's been traded back and forth. I, I'm always like, OK, so what? Right. Also, like when you hear a joke that's clearly like one group making a joke about another group and you're like, I don't I can't tell if that's something that I should that I should stand up and say that you shouldn't say that. Like, I don't know enough about the situation to tell you whether or not it's okay for that person to say that. Right. That's well said. Um, And I think it is I think it is much more of a complex situation in Latin America than to just. All that being said, I definitely. I definitely get the impression that there is um, more kind of a sense of European descended whiteness in Chile versus uh, Peruanos and Bolivianos. And the overall, I think it is absolutely fair to say uh, that the kind of overall trend of racism from people who are more European descended towards people who are more uh, either uh, African descended or indigenous descended um, is uh, substantial and consistent throughout uh, the world. Not, yeah, yeah. I was going to say not just the South American continent, but the entire world. Um, But speaking of South America, I found out something interesting and I just wrote it down because it had nothing to do with anything that we had talked about before. Um, But I was like, that's fucking fascinating. So one, um, so Suriname and and French Guiana um, are two countries that, uh, that anytime I hear them, I have to look up where they are because they could be in South America. They could be. Those are in in Africa. No. no, they're in South America. Will you say them again, please? Suriname and Suriname. French Guiana. French Guiana, yeah. Suriname, huh? Yeah. I don't so know where that is, man. They are um northwest or north northeast. Um near Colombia. Above, above, above Colombia. Yeah, near near um they share border, I think both of them or at least one of them. So French Guiana shares its border with its longest border with Brazil. So the things that I thought were interesting about these two um, is one Suriname is, uh, was actually a Dutch colony is the only place outside of the Netherlands with Dutch as its primary language. What? Um, Also Suriname and French Guiana are the only two countries in South America that drive on the left side of the road. Right. Whoa. Like, and they share land borders with all the, co- all the co- countries that they share land borders with drive on the right side, but those two countries drive on the left. Um, and crazy. the other thing like random bit of trivia, um, is that French Guiana, because it's technically French, uh, and therefore the border between French Guiana and Brazil is a French border. Um, so the, 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 the trick trivia question related to it would be, uh, is what what country is France's longest land border? And the answer is Brazil. Whoa! Because the yeah, because the border between French Guiana and Brazil is longer than France's border with Spain, with Italy, with Germany, with Belgium, Switzerland. Whoa! I think that's all the countries that 
dude. Yeah. That's fucking cool. Yeah, that's wild. I love that. Um, that just makes me think that we could have stuff like that in every episode where you and I like research something historical. I mean, I'm definitely going to just continue writing random notes of stuff that I think yeah, would be me interesting too. for us to talk about. Um, okay. So another, th- wait, no, it's your turn. I guess just to end with the whole, with my point, the real point I was kind of making about racism in latin america is just that colonization sucks ass yeah and it as a force as a force from the human organism it has just made things so gnarly and complicated and weird and insidious um all over the world yeah so it's just it's uh, you know that that you have like a lighter brown skin person is racist against a darker brown skin person and just how 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 unfortunate that's become and it is completely delusional. Racism is a delusional construct. So okay. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> it's it fucking sucks thinking about um like the fact you take like um mayan culture in in mexico Mm, mm. and the mayan people um like they um the language is not widely spoken the areas that are uh like heavily mayan populated are extremely economically depressed um it's bullshit and yeah it's like you know that like the the ignorant american racist just looks at uh mexicans (laughs) and goes mexicans Uh, and says they're generic uh, racist American shit about Mexicans. Um, but it's even more fucking aggravating to realize that, um, that, that there's also ra- that there's additional levels of racism and dis- discrimination and like economic disenfranchisement uh, occurring based on it's just, yeah, it's just Wait. levels and levels. And it, yeah. I mean, it goes to like what, when we've levels talked about this, levels. like we've talked about this a bunch of times, how like, um, racism is essentially a like a shorthand version or um like a it, you know it's it's a version of of it's a, it's kind of a a functional tool of uh, of class segregation and class discrimination um like it's just it's just convenient visually because we're a species with eyeballs and we look <laughs> at each other and like if you can i mean fuck i <laughs> I didn't think about this as me being like racist within my closet, but my closet is organized by color. Like I do have, do I do have all my shirts in color order in my closet because it's convenient. Uh, and yeah, when you think about it that way, it's like, fuck, we just, it's like, we are really fucking programmed and, and, and keyed to, to categorize things and group things and organize things. And like, identify not, and not identify specifically things. A, yeah, not specifically a bad thing in the, you know, in the overall, uh, picture, but yeah, it like, it, it means that when we have a, a simple visual shorthand for deciding, um, you know, who's going to get the most of the best stuff and then how that, you know, how, how, how that, which, which direction that hill is going to roll. Like, obviously we do that. Um, and, and now, you know, the, 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 the insidious thing, and we've, I think we've talked about this before is that like um, the way that the, 
where the way that the, that those structures of capitalist power will then use, you know, exceptions, use r- wealthy people who are, who are non-white uh, that, and go, well, no, like capitalism's not inherently racist because here's a rich black guy. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like, it misses uh, the whole systemic, like the mm-hmm. deep global systemic point. Yeah. No, and <laughs> people love fucking pre- pre- pretending like uh, systemic inequality and, um, yeah. and shit like that doesn't, doesn't happen. It's wild. Yeah, I did um, one of the videos that's on my project in my project um I did with a female named Christina Boyd who uh is a, a wildlife biologist and it's called Boxed and Labeled. And it's it's all about how she was she she shows some things throughout her childhood I like people put her in boxes and labeled her and so then she started to box and label other people and it does also seem like a part of our evolution our brains evolution like maybe the positive side of the colonized brain is to like look outside of ourselves and delineate and say well that's a larch tree and that's a spruce tree and that's a pine tree the problem with that and the shadow with that is is that maybe that tree or maybe that person like we were just talking about is more than that and mm-hmm. maybe they are are more than what we've identified and we do that with gender we do it with we do it with fucking everything we just put people and things in these boxes and it is important to identify things but sometimes i think that can constrict us and keep us like in an oppressed state instead of allowing the human or the tree or the bee or the flower to really be able to reveal its full self its full authentic self yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And like, we've got like, we've, we've hit on this point before with regards to like gender identity and rigid and, and rigid adherence to gender binary. Um, I had, so I had a, um, like maybe a personal revelation, um, in the last week or so. Um, cause I was, you know, we've talked about this before that like, I've, I identify as, as cisgender. I'm comfortable with the the parts that I was born with. And, uh, and I feel strongly about that. And I, and I try to talk about like the fact that my, like me having my gender identity and feeling close to it and feeling like it represents me um, and not being, and, and the fact that I'm not willing to accept somebody telling me that because I don't do ABC thing, because I don't, fucking whatever whatever you know stereotypical man thing that somebody like wants to say oh you know you're not a man if you don't blah blah fucking whatever use um, a squat plug while you're squatting yeah if you don't wear yeah if you don't use a a, 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 squat, a squat plug you're not um, a real you, man you're not a real man right so <laughs> like uh i'm like fuck you you don't get to and because the other part is the the only people who will say shit like that, the only people who will say like a real man does this, a real woman does that, are the <laughs> same people who are who will say that you can't change your gender, you can't like um uh, if you're you're you are the way that you're born and blah 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 and you and, and you know a, and, and a trans woman will never be a real woman. You can't uh, you can't just put on a dress and change and blah blah blah. The, the, so they want oh, to shit. at the same time be they want to both be able to say. Uh, that they are the arbiters of when somebody is performing masculinity or femininity correctly and whether or not they are meeting the criteria for being a man or being a woman, but also 
uh, no individual, not you nor I nor you know the 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 the, the uh, a, a trans person or whoever, uh, they are not allowed to say to the world, "This is this is what I am." Like I exactly, know I was born brother. with a penis, but I'm a woman. That's fucking right? bullshit. That that's, that's it. That is, those are two that, completely incompatible viewpoints that are that always go hand in hand. Anybody who expresses either one of those always will will always agree with the other. The other thing that I realized about myself personally, because I was watching a video of somebody like having an argument with a transphobe, um, and he and the 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 guy who you know the kind of the the trans defender guy um, was saying like if you to to the other guy like hey if so say the technology existed to pluck your brain out of your current body and put it into a woman's body how would you feel about that and the guy was like well I wouldn't like that I wouldn't feel like this is the right body for me um, and and so the other guy says okay well so you would want to you know go through whatever procedures were necessary in order for you to have a body that wow. feels more in line with what, uh, and the That's you know the cool. guy guy still didn't get it he still didn't catch on but what it made me realize about myself um is that if my brain were put into a female body i don't think i would be that bothered by that so like i'm so i don't know what where that makes me fall Whoa! on the gender identity spectrum cuz i'm like like I'm a hundred percent. I don't even know my, what to think about that. Like That's... I'm a hundred percent good with my male body, but I think of I like assuming, assuming, huh. obviously, assuming that I would have just magnificent tits. <laughs> yes, you would. Perfect tits. Like, that is that is that a requirement for, for me being for for me being comfortable with being in a in a female. But no, I like that that last thing is a joke, but I do genuinely mean that where I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously I wouldn't be very excited about dealing with all of the shit that female bodied people have to deal with out in the world. Uh, that would make me pretty mad. I'd probably, uh, probably fight people about that. Um, but yeah, in terms of just like the physical body of it, I'm like, I don't, I don't think that would bother me that much. That's really interesting. It doesn't bother me that much either. It, it's yeah. not a. It's not something I'm grasping onto either. But I think the 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 curious thing from what you just said is like when I look at this in my own self with people I relate to as well. What is it about us that it's so hard for us in the, the human race? To really just let people be who they are, especially if they aren't directly hurting you. Right. And and that's that's just where like people's triggers. Some you know some guy gets triggered because a female uses a chainsaw, but then he puts that trigger on her and makes her change. And I think that's just what I'm trying to do and where I'm trying to head is how can I really allow people to just be who they are? I'm not there, but I'm trying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because we're all different and it just scares us, I think, to let people, really just let people be different from us and really let them have a different perspective like our indigenous siblings and then what can, and our African siblings and then what can we learn from this perspective what could this help us teach us about our greater humanity as opposed to still remaining in these fear states where we want everyone to be exactly like us. 
conform. Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to gender and like gender identity and sexuality, I think um, the biggest uh, like trigger, kind of cause of violence, or whatever, um, is the is fear, is fear of fear, uh, fear, fear, and and resentment. Um, you know, and I, I think it's. Um, I think it's kind of dumb and, um, and lazy to just jump directly to, um, every, uh, anti-gay, every, every homophobe is actually just in the closet. Uh, I think that's, I do think that's lazy, but also it keeps fucking happening. (laughs) Like it keeps fucking, like to this day, one of the most, well no like uh, the the thing the thing one of the things that people think of when i say idaho is larry craig and larry craig was a, a a senator from idaho who got caught in a sting at the minneapolis airport um they the gay men were using the the uh, minneapolis airport bathroom as a cruising location uh and larry was a participant in those activities and so he got caught in this sting and then had you know he made up all this bullshit about oh no that wasn't what he was doing he was just in there going to the bathroom and um you know but it's yeah it fucking happens constantly um i also thought i thought of something funny too about um because one of the like it's it's a lot of like scare tactic scare tactic bullshit like the 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 opposition is a lot about um you know so they're they're using a lot of different uh arguments to try and um scare people and and uh one of the ones that uh that i keep hearing come up is like is the potential for remorse for people who go through transition uh and so they'll use this to apply to the uh, they'll use this to argue against children being able to do it um, because Ooh. even though studies have shown that, uh, that starting hormonal treatment and starting, even just starting, even the earlier you start behavioral transition. So even before you start hormonal transition, um, you just start going by whatever, you know, dre- dressing as, and being referred to as, um, whatever your, your identity is like the, the better it is for people in terms mm. of their ability to live, to, to live uh, longer and happier lives. Absolutely. And then, you know, the earlier in somebody's life, they start hormonal treatment, the more effectively. Yeah. A wife sorry. That just um, uh, yeah. Sorry. My wife just walked in and she's about to get on a call with her family. So I need to stop yelling about hormones. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, <laughs> so the hormone I, I, therapy. I'm, I'm the only one who can hear you. Um, but so the, <laughs> <laughs> the only, um, so the, the argument that's used against that is uh, this idea that uh, people can have uh, that like that people will regret it, you know, that they'll transition and then be, you know, dissatisfied with the fact that they've transitioned and want to detransition or whatever. Um, and the rate of detransition is like vanishing, vanishingly small. And the overwhelming majority of people who do detransition, um, mm-hmm. it's not because they want to go back to their original gender. It's because they realize that they're non-binary. Um, and um and you know there's other uh factors involved as well um but every time i hear about this this kind of uh boogeyman idea of um 
this this boogeyman idea of um, of you know somebody being forced or pressured uh, into transition. I think about the movie Sleepaway Camp, um, which was that so, a, is this a campy horror movie? It is a campy horror movie from the eighties. Um, so what's it called? Just, uh, Sleepaway Camp it is like one of the classic like terrible horror movies. And okay. so spoilers for the nineteen eighties classic uh, horror, schlocky horror movie Sleepaway <laughs> Camp. It turns out at the end that um, the uh, the killer is the 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 female main character um, who you find out at the very end was actually male and was her her parents died at the beginning of the movie or his parents since he was forced into this identity um but, so he had to go live with an aunt who had always wanted a daughter so the aunt forced him to dress in girls clothes and made him live as a girl and then when he went to sleep away camp he murdered a whole bunch of people <laughs> story is let your kids transition or or not just let or them not. be let who them they be are. who they are just let them be who they are let yeah. let your kids be free to be who they are oh my goodness um do you want to tell a story from childhood or a tattoo story or should we launch into food systems oh uh... I would love to ask you questions about everything you know about food too. I think, I think we might need to wrap this one and do another record later this week. Okay. Cause I can hear Catherine through the wall, which means she probably can hear me. Oh, do we want to like cut it in half? This one? Yeah. Would you No, like... I think this is this is a good length for one. It's less than an hour, so. Okay. This is a wrap then. Yeah. Okay, so that's going to make for an unceremonious end to this episode. <laughs> uh, that is a very unceremonious wrap. All right. Well, I'm going to write it down, everybody, because we've been talking in the past, like, three episodes about how we're going to talk about food systems. Yes. Localized food systems and any and all things Earth-related. So next episode, let's do it, Leo. Okay. Um, thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. For joining us. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. And we hope that you have a great week. And we will talk with you all next week. Okay, thanks, bye. Thanks, bye. Thank you for joining us. We're glad you were here. If you want to support what we're doing, you can do that at patreon.com slash H-I-M-M-B or at Heidi J L L C on Venmo. Thank you. We appreciate you.